What a world. I'm Rocky Bonner, your host of Mind Body Gym. And on this episode of Mind Body Gym, we're going to speak to a gym, Alicia Faulkner, who has uh, recently um, come home and she's going to share with you her experiences and challenges that she's overcome since she's been home and how um, Fit to Navigate changed her life and how she's giving back to her community and taking on this whole new world. So stay tuned. Plug in your headphones, turn up the volume, but make sure you pay close attention to all the gems that this gem, Alicia Faulkner, is about to drop for us. You know, just when we think that we have it difficult, someone else may have it even more, but they make it look easy. I never have looked at anybody's, like, I mean, like, paid attention to a color as far as who I'm helping, right? And obviously I see the color and I know the color, but that's never made a difference, right, about what we were there for and -hmm. the the connections and the vibrations that we made. And so when you say, like, you know, you grew up in an area where it was just the opposite, where, you know, you was in a neighborhood that was mostly, you know, black people, African-American, whatever, and you were just out there, but they still fed you. You know family. what I'm saying? They oh, still see your family. family. Yeah. They still, like I you said, the do. fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that made me. I love you it. Know? <laughs> and, and it's like, that's that's what it's about. That's how we really figure out who we are, is just sitting at the table with one another and breaking breaking those stereotypes, mm-hmm. right? Because you're saying, like, look, yo, in that neighborhood, I was the one getting pulled over, right? Mm-hmm. And people don't re- ever think that, that that could possibly, you could be the difference to my neighborhood. giving the like, stank eye if I was on the wrong street. Or, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, yeah, I mean, right. But it was that minority that made me feel like I was family. Yeah. That gave me any sense of worth or. And they weren't even looking like, yeah, they yeah. like yeah, embraced it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell you, that's how it is in, in, in the neighborhood. It's like, you everybody's child. I mean, I know yeah. when I was growing up, it was it, it said it was a village, and it truly was a village. And like you said, <laughs> you, had the, you had the candy man in the neighborhood. Yeah, he <laughs> made candy man. We had the pie lady. The pie lady, all of that, yeah. right in your neighborhood. And I think, man, that's so funny because it's kind of that's definitely missing it today. You can't go to nobody's house. I mean, you do something down the street. Your mama knew before you came mm-hmm. home, or whoever you stand with knew before you came home because such and such already called mm-hmm. and told them that they spanked you. And kept you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you already knew that you was about to get another one coming back. But I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Um, we family. Always straight up. Man, I love this quote in here. Uh, when it rains. Look for rainbows. When it's dark, look for stars. And you know, that's kind of like sometimes it's difficult, but it, I guess it depends on the mindset that we're in, right? Mm-hmm. Right? If we can always look for the glass half full. You always got to see the better side of things. Yeah. So, you know, we're sitting here where one, I grew up, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. So crazy. The world is so, so small. And then you back, you know, feeling good. And what's going on? Tell me a little bit about what's happening. Well, you know, I've been out less than four months. And it's just 
thriving. I feel like you can't ever let anything really set you back or ever have excuses for anything. Don't let your past really hinder what you can do in the future. So I'm just trying to stay on the right path and continue with my journey and helping other people with their journey, just as like you've helped my journey. So, I mean, give me a little bit of where you were, you know, um, back then that kind of just landed you where I met you. So, I'm originally from uh, Florida, and I feel like when you get stuck in a certain lifestyle or a certain mindset, you really believe that's all you can be. And as far as, like, so many people say, oh, just because you grew up in the ghetto, like, you like you are stuck there and like it's the stigma and unfortunately it sounds crazy now but then when you grow up like that and you have nobody and that is your way of survival like that lifestyle becomes accustomed to you to where there's no way out even if you might think that there's a way out somehow it wraps you back in and then you completely get stuck in oh, well, this is just survival. Survival soon becomes greed, and with greed becomes you don't care about anybody else, and it's all about you. And I was literally just back and forth with that lifestyle, whether it was hustling or dancing or just trying to find a man that you become. You literally, when... I found my boyfriend or husband at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally became that person because I didn't have parents. I didn't have anybody. So you look elsewhere where you don't have your own comfort or your own stability and foundation within your home. And you don't have any foundation for yourself. Yeah. You know, you have no self-worth. You don't care. You're just trying to live for the next day. And I think that was another on top of, like, just my childhood lifestyle that I was living when I found him, I thought he was, like, my saving grace, you know? So then I soon, be like, become that person, and he's involved in the same thing. Mm-hmm. So then you eventually, that's just your way of life once again. And then um, when he went to prison, I was alone and having to deal with everything. And I'm like, man, this is the only person I've been with since I was a child myself. So... Everything that you thought you built up and who you think you are, you realize once again you're back to square one and you never really fixed yourself or really became yourself because you were molded into somebody else. Wow. Like, at what point in life would you feel like, I'm out here alone? Like, how old were you when you felt like that? Probably 13, for sure. Um, I was homeless by the time I was 15. Um, I was either getting kicked out or a runaway. At 15, um, I was working two jobs, going to school, always school and education, and, like, that was, like, my saving grace. That was, like, my safe place. Um, And I remember... after school. Yeah, um, after school, uh, we graduated. We came up to Ohio, back and forth to Florida to Ohio, and just still living the same lifestyle. And then it eventually led my husband to prison, and then I continued to do what he was doing, which... How old were you when you met him? Um, I was 16, 17. So at 13, you felt like you were already on your own. Yeah, yeah. And for three years, you was just out there. Yeah, um, honestly, like, so I was the only white girl growing up in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's crazy, like, racism does not see color. Um, you know, and it's so crazy because normally as the, the stigma of today is, oh, you're getting, if you're black, you're getting stopped. Well, Mm -hmm. the neighborhood I lived in, 
I was the only white girl, I'm getting stopped by the police. You know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. But if it wasn't for the, the people that took me in while I was living on the street in the ghetto, like, it was the black people that raised me. Like, that's mm-hmm. initially how I got my nickname is Nilla because mm-hmm. I was always the only white girl growing up. Okay. And, like, I still talked. I call her, her name's Trina. I always call her my auntie. You know, like, they took me in. They fed me. uh, Always, like, sometimes that they would give me their couch. But even if I couldn't stay there, they always gave me somewhere that I could go and eat. For sure. I would be selling fried chicken in the front yard. Got pies on the side. I mean, we had the candy man in the neighborhood. I mean, it was just... Like, where you grew up. Yeah, that's where I grew up, and I loved it. You know, it wasn't always easy, right. but, you know, if it wasn't for them, I mean, I don't know where I would be, you know. Right. But that's also where I learned my hustle mentality. Mm-hmm. But it made me who I am. And I think when, like, I landed myself in prison, I was really, first off, I was young, still in that mindset of... At what age was that? Um, I think I was 20... Two or 23. Okay. I think like just turned 23. And I was still had a very young mindset of, well, y'all didn't catch me doing my case. Like, this ain't, y'all didn't catch me doing my dirt. You know, right, like right. still very not willing to accept my part Be in the situation. And so I thought I was only getting three years. And even till I got to into like your missions part, mm-hmm. I found out I had six years. So I remember like sitting down, like hitting my knees, like man, my life's over. I got a child. Like yeah, where? Mm-hmm. How old? He was four when I went in, mind you. His dad went in too. Okay. So he was actually getting ready to turn five. So his dad went in when he was three. So now. You know, my mom was never a part of my life, but now I'm sitting here realizing, like, man, like, my, now is this, like, being repetitive? Like, my son is going to be away from me, and now how is that going to affect him? Like, always, you always mm. don't want to end up like your mom or... Right. And then here you go, here comes, you know, another cycle of the same thing, generation to generation. And so, I mean, I, that really hit me hard, like, knowing I wasn't going to be able to be there for him, watch him grow up. And he was already probably hurting because he didn't have his dad. So I think when I hit the gates and finding out how much time I had and it just, it didn't even hit me then. Like I was just probably like so in shock and I was still buck wild, didn't care, uh, running up and down the bays, acting a fool. And then, you know, one day it just kind of hit you like this is about to be your life. How I mean, long had you been there at that point? Um, so when it... You're still kind of numb to it. Yeah, I think I was at least there for like a year before I was like, man. And even after that year, I still wasn't even ready to change my mindset just in general. Like I was like, man, something has to change. But it wasn't like that aha moment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so like after like a year after I started going there, um, or after I was there, um, I dibble and dabble in the gym a little bit, but it was just kind of something to do, something to get myself going. Um, you either have too much time or not enough time to do to do certain programs or groups or school, and that's where I was at at that point. I had too much time. Um, so when did the shift happen? So I feel like um, I started hitting the gym like heavier, like once I, I think it was two years in, and I started 
really changing my life. There was one time um, I was just real depressed and was just like, depression's always been a um, an issue growing up. I've struggled with suicide and depression and uh, PTSD. And so sometimes like it's hard to get yourself out of that rut. And I think one day I was just laying in my bunk. I was like, man, something has to change. Like, what is it gonna change? I mean, nobody else is gonna change it for me. You gotta find that own drive and desire to change. And sometimes it's hard when you're just depressed in that depressed state. And one day I said, you know what, I'm gonna do something about it. And I dove in. I think I gained like almost 30 pounds just with time. I'm between my county time and the time I was there just by being depressed and just not doing nothing with my life and I think like a year after I got into the gym I'd lost all the weight that I gained. So you dropped the 30 just by yep. starting to yep. work out things. And then I, I remember I started in the back back row in the corner getting yelled at like what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually like my confidence started to grow and I started to see a difference like not just in my image mm-hmm. you know but then I started going to yoga, and I hated yoga. Ugh, gosh, I could not, I because yoga wasn't fast enough for me. Right. It wasn't something that was, I thought was gonna feed me or or be able to like abstain, sustain me. So, um, I hit one or two, but it still wasn't my thing. And then, so it's crazy because I picked up the same lifestyle. I was living the same lifestyle in prison that I was at home. You were. So, <laughs> in there, yeah. like, you get, like, it's called a store. Like, you, you're you hungry, yeah. you want some chips, you don't got no chips, you come get a bag of chips from me, and it's, you, when store time comes, you owe me two bags of chips. Mm-hmm. So, I was still developing the same hustle mentality. And I think it was, like, my fourth year in, um, I always lived in a recovery unit. I finally started realizing, like, my part in my role into my crime and especially like seeing how bad like the heroin epidemic and the pill mills like were really like affecting the community like Mm -hmm. I was seeing that in there but still in there like I'm like oh well I'm just surviving I don't have to ask my family for money and this this and that and I think it was one day when one of the recovery counselors that lived in or didn't she didn't live there but worked in the unit Mm -hmm. pulled me in and she's like Alicia, like, what are you going to do? Like, you got all these accolades that you've done. Like, you've went to school. You've done this. You've done all these programs. You facilitate groups for these girls. Be yet you're still feeding their addiction. I was like, man, you act like I'm selling Debbie's. Like, I'm selling Debbie's on the corner. Like, I'm selling crack or something on the corner. Like, mm-hmm. what? I don't get what you're saying. And I think it was at that certain time is, like, something something hit she's like you know you've been in here four years you still got two years to go you ain't got it yet like you ain't worked on what got you here and mm. I think it was that that moment that I was like man like she's right like I got everything looks great on paper like I finally was able to go to school after so long after my time got down was able to run all these groups but I wasn't working on the same you know these girls might have been addicted to drugs my addiction is money and just that lifestyle and like Wow, like I'm literally he was still his selling De- yeah, I'm still selling Debbie's like I'm on the corner. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and in there, like addicts, they crave those sweets when they're coming off the sweets. So for real, I'm taking advantage now, like I see it today, of the, their vulnerability because mm-hmm. they're coming off drugs and they want those sweets because it releases the same endorphins as the drugs do. So you still have that survival mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and I Four think, years in. 
For sure. Like, I think it, I, when they gave me that sentence, I was like, man, this is my first time offense. I mean, ever been in trouble. I don't deserve this. I was just so like not willing to accept my time for one who is mm -hmm. and for two, just not even willing to accept my responsibility for it. But then like if I would have got anything less than four, I knew I would have came out doing the same shit for sure. For, there's no, no doubt in my mind. If I would have got anything less than four years, I would have been doing right back out on these streets hustling. The only thing that I know how to do. Well, so four years in, you know, you've been living like you still mm -hmm. out there and, but you're checking the boxes to make sure yeah. everything's clean. You know what, what they would think if you still, you just hitting it like on paper. I'm looking mm -hmm. good, yep. right? But in the inside, something's still the same. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So, where did the shift happen for? Now we we we're changing mindset right here. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's a um, I think with the my the you know the recovery counselor like pretty much checking me on it. And when you had Ms. Brooks, your unit manager, I was yeah. like, ah, I'll still do it here on the side. She checked me again, dude. And I was like, dude, I have to be done. And at this point, like, I was so far into the gym as far as, like, just throw, I threw myself at the gym. I think I just started teaching there. Um, and then that shortly after that is when I met you. And I think it was a couple, I think I was, like, maybe, like, four months in as being, like, teaching a couple classes at okay. the gym when you came in. And I remember hearing about... You know, yeah, we got this personal trainer. She owns a gym in Columbus. She's gonna be coming in. So I honestly just thought you, we was about to get a great workout. You was about to come in, kick her ass. Like we are about to like learn some stuff from the outside world. Cause when you're in there, our gym is so limited. Like you mm -hmm. have a, a busted medicine ball mm -hmm. or like a, a step, and literally you most of the time use your own body weight or a cage that's falling apart that you have like couple. But y'all have like 180 to 100 people coming to y'all classes. All the time, yeah, yep. I mean, there'd be people who I would see that started in the back row that eventually worked their way up to the front. And I remember there was one girl, actually Jessica. She's like, man, one day. I'm gonna be just like you. And now she's out here running a gym. Right. I mean, and she, I remember her saying one day, like, I wanna be just like you. And I was like, you can do it. You, if you want it, you can do it. And I just seen herself come from the back row to the front row. And then shortly after that, she had the, so much drive and passion. She became an instructor and was able to meet you before she got out here. Um, so then I feel like, once I heard about you, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to learn some new moves. We're going to learn some new stuff. As I feel like when you're, like, behind behind there, it's like the world world's happening, and people just continue to live their lives yeah. while you're still in there. And then you're so, um, I feel like, challenged as far as, like, you don't know what's happening out here other right. than what you see, what, a glimpse on TV or a glimpse on a magazine. Mm -hmm. But it's not, like, tangible. Like, you can't really see it or touch it. And when this program, um, Fit for Life, started happening and far started forming, it was, I don't ever think we would have thought it would have got to where it was today and where, you know, it's going in the future. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. Like, when you, I came in, I came in, it's like, you just thought we were just about to work out, mm -hmm. and then what happened? So then uh, I remember you started forming classes. It was then it was just more like, let's get this knowledge. Like, yes, you guys know how to instruct a class. Let's work on form. Let's work on um, the knowledge of what you guys really do know as far as becoming a personal trainer, if this is what you truly want to do. Let's work on 
what got you here. Let's work on where you're gonna be at. It was more than just a workout or it was more than just a class. It became more of a class setting at one point because we were learning things, but it became so outside the box. I think one of my favorite things was when it was, I looked at you as like my life coach. So to this day, I look at you as my life coach. And when you were able to sit there and talk about like real life experiences, it would just draw me in and like feed my soul every time you come in. And in there, like you, families forget about you, friends forget about you, or they just slowly fall off. And then all of a sudden you got this woman coming in every single Wednesday rain snow sleep and she ain't forgot about you but she don't even know you like your family has forgot about you and yet this 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 woman comes in and, and feeds us not food but I mean at that time I mean our food in there sucks but at this time it's greater it's feeding me it's, I'm being more full than than actually eating on some Debbie's or something just mentally like my mind started to change and I think that's when like my mindset was like something has to change because I've been, nothing's changing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when we started doing a lot of like the life coaching mm -hmm. and the the work that you would assign us about like pretty much like digging deeper into yourself and into your mind is when, I, that's my favorite part about the whole program, <laughs> for real. Like, I mean, you can learn, anybody can learn about their bodies and form, but you got to know yourself and unlock yourself and become vulnerable if you want to continue to grow. And I don't feel like a lot of people get that, even in real life. Like, people become stagnant, and they, they don't want to see past where they're at today. Or people just become accustomed to what they have, and that's exactly to, that would have gotten me back to square one, of just me accepting that custom of where I came from and where I'm at instead of seeing past that. I, you have to change change your own thoughts before you can really maneuver. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I remember that um, you looking up at me at the end of class. And, you know, I always would ask if anybody had anything to say. And I remember you sitting there and you were just like, uh, yo, um, are you serious about when we get out of here that you're going to be still connecting with us? Like, are you serious about that? Mm -hmm. And what I say? Yeah, yeah. And and then there, like so many people say, like, oh, I'll be here for you when you get, when they get out. You know, it's her bunky or somebody you've yeah. been been with for years, and they're like, fall off. Oh, and you got this person that you just met. You know, yeah, you see him every single Wednesday, but to have them sit there and say that, like, you you want it to happen so bad, especially yeah. where I'm not even from this area or from Ohio, really, mm -hmm. like. I've never had support or really know how to get out there and, you know, it sounds stupid, I'm 30 now, but to get out here and just live life, yeah. like, as a responsible citizen, mm -hmm. like, law-abiding citizen, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just the struggles of what you're going to go through when you come out and just to have a support system, whether it be just a friend to call on the phone or to lead you in the right direction or to literally show you 
how to cook or yeah. you know how to maintain a job no, or how to cover that <laughs> cooking part <laughs> or uh, where to you know just pretty much like even how to get a job or to yeah. I think another thing is like that group gave me the confidence to know I can go out here and do it and I always say it's like putting on your poker face even when you even when you you know as humans we have that self doubt but mm. I feel like you just got to put on that poker face and know even. I might fail in the back of my mind, but it's like, I ain't going to fail. Like, you just got to pursue it and know, don't let nobody see your doubt and just get in there and do it. And it gives you your own, how can I say, it gives you your own credibility of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this. And I think that's pretty much what I've done since I've been home. Like, things have been scary or they've been you know, like you wonder how is it going to work out in the future, but you just got to put that face on and know that it has to work out. There's no other way back. Yeah, right. So, so you're home now and uh, yep. sitting here in a boot. And, uh, <laughs> broke my when foot. We're talking about <laughs> fitness and everything. Yeah. So, you know, after you, you know, know that this kind of sets you down mm-hmm. for a minute and uh, where you at right now? Like, how you feeling? Uh, I feel blessed. Um, I feel like when, so I broke my, my foot at work. Yep. Been home only four months and I got a job. Um, I don't only have a job, but like I told Rocky at one point in time, I got a job working for the state and I can't wait to share my story on that because don't ever let a felony ever stop you. Cause I remember I said that, you know, I used to be a ward of the state and now I'm working for the state. Um, Instead of a an inmate number, I have an Oaks ID number to where I can turn around and use that to continue to tell people, like, don't ever let what's happened to you in the past, like, stop, because that's just an excuse, like, fight through that. So I was working on a um, high water scene, which makes me feel like a storm chaser and trying to prove myself because, A, I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. Two, I'm tiny. I'm only 4'9", okay? (laughs) And overdoing myself because I want to prove that I I want this job. I deserve this job. And I got hired four days prior full-time, and I turned around and I broke my foot. So it was kind of like a setback, like as a defeat. And it was really hard uh, to accept, like, man, I'm such a go-getter, busybody, Mm -hmm. like, can't ever just sit down. I've literally, since I've been home, I've been on the go. I've gotten my CDL, I've gotten, working on getting my motorcycle license, I'm working on getting my son back in my life, which is my only pride and joy and the only reason for really trying to work a nine-to-five. I'm working a nine-to-five, first nine-to-five in my life. (laughs) Okay, the struggle is real. <laughs> Nine to five is is a hard pill to swallow, but I'm swallowing it every day and just with so much pride and just even with me off work, I can't wait to just get back to work. Okay. Um, I since I broke my foot, I picked up another class in school to at least stay busy. So yes. I'm back to school trying to get my BA for communications. Um, when launch, I, I'll be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting ready to launch uh, into a new venture to be an entrepreneur with uh, this uh, Zealous program. It's a CBD all natural program that's completely changed my my mental standpoint. I've always dealt with, like I told you, suicide and depression and anxiety and a lot of PTSD. And just since me doing this, it's I can notice a difference. Um, I think like when I first like broke my foot, like I was really like depressed about it. You know, we're human. You gotta yeah. sit back, feel your feelings, and then I think after like a week and a half of that, I was like, "Yeah, 
this ain't getting me nowhere. Uh, so now I'm back working out. Can't really do much on my foot, but, but you know, body, yeah, yeah, upper body, still some core, yeah, and it's still getting my mind right. So as long as I continue getting my mind right, which is my release, my coping skill. I was just going to ask you that. How does your yeah. self care contribute to you? Yeah, like for that? sure. I think you know, and I think this is a prime example of sometimes like you you go too fast and I think you know me breaking my foot was just the universe telling me I needed to sit down because I was about to miss something so maybe me missing something was you always got to take your self-care first I went and got a massage first time I got a massage and like forever I went and got a paid for a massage from um I think that was like Tuesday that was great um sitting back and just having some alone time and to sit listen to some music and have that clarity again I think when life happens so fast and you're so worried about doing it the right way and the struggles that you're already facing trying to like get back into society sometimes can overwhelm you and then you don't take that mental time for you to truly clear your own mind out yeah so it's been hard, but I think it's also something that needed to happen. Okay. Uh, okay. Ugh, swallow. <laughs> um, I'm hoping to be in physical therapy here uh, next couple, like next like four weeks. I was in the middle of training for my first half marathon out here in the real world. I've done like four in there, but mm. so now uh, I found out I'm not even going to be able to train until September. So that was kind of a real. Like, I think that was, like, my breakdown moment. Like, you're already telling somebody who just can't sit down, let alone running, that they're not even going to be able to use no weight. But I think it was just another le- learning moment to find, well, you got to find a different type of coping skill. Right. Yeah, it's not always going to work. Yeah. So. So you dealt with the, you got the physical, you got the mind, your mm-hmm. mindset has been getting challenged now. The last thing I think I want to ask you is, like, you know, what sets your soul free? Which, you know, what it's, yeah, what sets your soul free? When do you feel that? I think my soul is free. My soul is free mostly when I when I am out there running. Mm-hmm. When I go out and run, like it's like my movement of meditation. So right now I can't do that right now, mm-hmm. but I know that I can still set my soul free in in different ways. Whether it's I really like art. Art's always been great, but I think right now just me my my fight to get my son back. You know mm-hmm. he's been my little ride or die I'm a little soldier Mm -hmm. and just to be able to know that I can become a mom again and just fighting for my baby and that's that's my soul right there that's my life well listen first of all I am very appreciative of you one staying in the program Mm -hmm. You, you started you was one of the originals and you stuck with it throughout um, and I'm also appreciative of you telling me that I have impacted your life in such a way where it wasn't you were just checking the box for education that you really got something from the inside I mean me coming out there every week it's not just a one-sided thing I don't feel as if I'm trying to you know just be like here you go mm-hmm. I know everything like you ladies are amazing and you have like I say, fed my soul every week. It's like fitness church for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not been an easy journey, but we've stuck together, mm-hmm. and uh, we always talk about building that that legacy, right? Yeah. And I want to again thank you for the time and coming out and sitting down and chatting with me. 
and uh, I look forward to having another conversation letting people know where you are and doing um, if you were to leave anyone with anything that like will allow them to keep a positive mindset what would you say to them have a positive mindset first you have to be able to change your own mindset don't get stuck in being if you see that there's a drought in your own self don't be willing to hydrate somebody until you are able to hydrate yourself and then when you have that and you've changed and, and can stand on that own two feet is when you can go and give somebody else a journey yeah it's like you want to help people because i know that's another thing that helps my feeds my soul is to help other people but you have to know solidly like who you are and feed yourself and don't ever let don't ever lose sight of who you are. If you want to help other people, don't let it hinder you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. What a second mini series of Mind Body Gym podcasts. As we conclude this podcast, I leave you with a quote from our guru. A realized person becomes a worthy instrument of the divine, always serving creation in a loving way. Indeed, this is the real business of life. Every person should use his or her time, talent, skill, and breath as good instruments in self-improvement. Thereby, we become successful. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to tune in to Mind Body Gym's conversational podcast designed to fund our social enterprise, Fit to Navigate, a wellness project serving people impacted by the criminal justice system. To show your support, check out our website at fittonavigate.com and show love by buying the Love You Give merch. Spread love and get and learn how to get involved. Thank you to the fam, Eric Jefferson, for the artwork, his wife, my songstress sister, Renee Dion, for the tunes, and Natalie McCray-Cross for her photography. Health, mindset, fitness, life, inspiration, empowerment, purpose, soul. We do the work, and that's what we're here for. Join us on this journey.